What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Earlier this week, we talked about how easy it is for advertisers and others to see exactly what you're doing online and how hard it is to stop it, which made us wonder, what can normal people do to protect their personal information without having to go to all kinds of crazy lengths? One way that's becoming increasingly popular is using a VPN or virtual private network. A growing number of providers are offering VPNs as an easy way for individuals to keep our data from prying eyes. And people are using them for all kinds of reasons. I travel internationally for work sometimes, so whenever I'm out of the country, I'll use a VPN if I'm needing to watch a TV show or something that I can't get access to through that version of the website in the particular country I'm in. And sometimes I use it at home if there's a show like before Great British Bake Off was on Netflix, I would use a VPN to be able to watch it when it was happening live instead of having to wait for it to be released over here. Yeah, I use VPN for work because we want to protect some of our uh, more sensitive information. So we have to access the VPN before we can get into that part of our jobs. People who live in countries with repressive governments like Russia have also used VPNs to get around sensors that block access to social media and news sites. Basically, anytime there's a big geopolitical crisis, you're seeing massive spikes in VPN usage. That's Bloomberg reporter Austin Carr. He went to find out if VPNs can actually deliver on the privacy they promise. I'm Wes Kosova. That's today on The Big Take. Austin, maybe start by telling us what is a VPN? What's it used for? Essentially, what it's used for is to encrypt your web traffic by funneling your internet browsing through remote servers around the world. It basically sends them out. Any website you go to, any browsing and surfing you do, it sends that traffic out to servers in places like France, Brazil, Japan, encrypts them to hide your location and also the content of what you're actually browsing. So the usual way it'd be is you look up a website and your identity is revealed to that website. But if you use a VPN, it bounces it all over the world so nobody can tell where you really are and where that traffic came from? That's exactly right. I mean, if you're using the internet right now at home or on your cellular provider, that's known as an ISP, an internet service provider. And essentially what's happening is every single thing that you do is basically logged with the ISP. Your location, uh, the type of surfing that you're doing, they keep a sort of log of all that material that you're, you know, surfing the internet with. Now, of course, in the U.S., that's not such a big deal, but abroad, uh, in places where there's authoritarian governments or just different censorship rules, there's, of course, a lot of interest in VPNs because it allows you to circumvent those rules, hide your location, hide what you're browsing, and unlock things that might be cut off because of firewalls, uh, like the Great Chinese Firewall is a great example of things where certain social media websites, news websites are cut off. But with the help of a VPN, you can sort of work around those restrictions and gain access to a lot of content that you otherwise would not be able to. 
Now, of course, there's a lot of lowbrow <laughs> reasons for using a VPN as well. If you like to stream content, sometimes there's reasons that will be blocked for, you know, IP reasons or because your subscription is not relevant in a certain state or a certain country. If you're traveling, you can't use Netflix. So a lot of people use VPNs actually to stream content, just circumvent rules with content providers as well. So let's say you're overseas and you want to watch Netflix and it says, sorry, Netflix isn't available in this country. It can fool Netflix into thinking you're sitting at home. That's exactly right. So when you're traveling abroad and, and you have a Netflix subscription to the U.S., or if you're a subscriber in England, you have access to different content. They have their all their original content, which is globally accessible, but there's a lot of content that's only geographically licensed to particular countries or regions. So if you want to gain access to that content, you'd have to use a VPN. And Netflix has actually done a lot of work to detect those IP addresses that they give you. It's sort of like this game of IP address whack-a-mole. As soon as they sense that you're using a VPN, they might block it, and you just have to keep changing servers in the U.S. Let's say I'm in London, and I want to access some content, and I'm not recommending anyone does this. This might be violating some terms and conditions. So this sounds pretty complicated. Is it hard to use? Like, what, you sit down your computer, you have a VPN. What is it? Like, how do you actually use it? It does sound complicated, and I think historically that has been the roadblock. A lot of these apps to sort of install them, it took a lot of setup, a lot of sophistication. But nowadays, they're super easy. There's a bunch of providers. If you just Google VPN, you'll come up with all sorts of names from ExpressVPN to NordVPN, which are two of the biggest brands. And it's just an app. You download it. Some are free. Some are subscription-based. You just give it access to either your laptop or your cell phone, and then you're, you're essentially hooked up to a VPN and you can choose the server you want. NordVPN, which is one of the, the big brands out there, it's a Lithuanian-based company, they have about 5,500 servers around the world. You just open up the app and you can select any country you want to browse from. You can even go down to the city. So if you're in the U.S., you can select L.A., you can select Denver, Miami, Boston, uh, New York, things like that. And once you just tap into that, they promise that it's a good safeguard against your traffic, it can protect your location and sort of, yeah, fool your browser into thinking that you're in a different location and that it can encrypt your traffic at the same time. Austin, you report that another reason people have been using VPNs is in communicating after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That's correct. I mean, basically, anytime there's a big geopolitical crisis, you're seeing massive spikes in VPN usage. In the weeks and months after uh, Russia's invasion in Ukraine, there was data that showed VPN interest spiking on search engines by over a thousand percent. And that is the case for every time, you know, when we saw sort of the crackdowns happening in Iran, there was big spikes in VPN usage. When there was social unrest in Turkey following an earthquake and they blocked access to Twitter, you saw VPN usage spike in those areas as well. But the Russia one is a really interesting use case because you can sort of understand why it would be used for a healthy purpose, which is if the government is blocking access to certain news websites, you know, obviously there would be a lot of interest, not just among social activists, but just your average Russian resident who might want to find out what the real story is. And you can use a VPN. It's become more difficult. They've blocked a lot of VPNs. You know, NordVPN, one of the big brands there, has had to remove all their local servers from Russia. And they've increasingly made it difficult to use a VPN there. But that's one of the major upsides of VPN sort of the high-minded mission of these apps can be to circumvent that government censorship and help people access news, organize for protests, and just generally access the web a little bit safer than they could if they were going through their regular ISP. How good are VPNs actually doing that? They promise you anonymity, but can they deliver on it? 
I think they're really good at marketing cybersecurity and privacy, perhaps more than they are at delivering it. I spoke to a lot of researchers for this story, and the one thing that pretty much all of them said was that you can't really put all your faith in these VPN providers. And there's a couple of reasons why. You know, if you're an Edward Snowden type and you want to use a VPN and you have someone, you know, the NSA on the other side or some government agency, basically VPN providers have told me that, look, we can't stop from that stuff. We can only do so much. Maybe we can unlock Twitter, but we're not going to be able to necessarily protect you against, you know, a government agency with those sort of resources to find you. The other big issue is that a lot of these VPN providers, they're sort of asking you to put all their trust in them that says, hey, we will not log any of your web activity. But there's not really any assurances. They have audits that happen on some of these servers, but that are done by auditing firms such as PricewaterhouseCoopers. But there's not really a way you can go in to see their code to make sure there's no logs. There's not really a way you can go see their server room to make sure that there's no logs being taken of your web traffic. There's been instances historically where, you know, a VPN provider will say, we're not logging any traffic. And then suddenly they get subpoenaed by a government and they're able to provide those logs. So there's been controversies like that over the years. Several University of Michigan researchers who I spoke with had also just said that there's ways to detect your activity even when you have a VPN on. So there's something called device fingerprinting where they can sort of triangulate your data based on specific computer you're using or the browser size or the time that you're accessing sort of content. And there's also ways that if there's a, a bad actor sophisticated enough to access this content, they can sort of throttle your internet and see if any leaks happen from a VPN tunnel. That might sound really <laughs> complicated, but what it essentially means is there's no 100% guarantee of safety. There's no 100% guarantee of anonymity with this VPN. In fact, most of the researchers I spoke to would not use any commercial VPN. They developed their own. So unless you're able to do that, you're a sophisticated engineer or hacker, they all warned against you thinking that, hey, these things are going to provide you some sort of military-grade protection. After the break, what do VPNs know about what you're doing online? Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash Enterprise Data to learn more. I definitely feel secure about the connection, but I'm also not, like, worried. I'm not doing anything that I'm worried about people 
seeing or reporting. So I guess I've never really thought about like what would happen if it wasn't secure, but I feel secure through the one that I use. I feel like ours is pretty secure and private. I've looked up the tool that we use and I've talked to some of the IT folks and they've given me a lot of confidence that our VPN is secure. One of the big companies in this space is called Nord Security and you wrote a whole piece about that went to go visit them. Tell us about Nord Security. Nord Security is a fascinating company that's based in uh, Vilnius, the sort of old world capital of Lithuania. They started a, a little over a decade ago and actually bootstrapped their entire business until raising $100 million last April at a $1.6 billion valuation. But they've really ridden this wave of sort of marketing cybersecurity to the public at a time when there's a lot of questions about who is tracking your internet browsing, whether you're safe online, whether social networks and search engines are mining your activity. And they developed this tool called NordVPN, which is one of the sort of, I think, more user-friendly apps out there. It's super cheap. I think the going rate is like $3 a month to protect your web traffic. And when I met with the founder, Tom Ackman, he had just returned from Davos. He was going to Web Summit, which is this big tech conference in Lisbon. And you really got the sense this company is finally going mainstream. And I think that's because there's so many questions about what's happening to our internet activity online. They're developing this whole suite, not just of VPN products, but of cybersecurity products, dark web monitors, malware threat scanners, things like that to sort of try to make this sort of encrypted subscription portfolio similar to what you might think about McAfee security or Norton back in the day. The big question is whether some of the promises that they've made about cybersecurity and privacy are real and legitimate, or is it just a lot of marketing to sort of drive up their subscription rates? And when you talk to them, what do they say the reason you should use a VPN is? Like, what are they selling it for? I don't think it's so you can circumvent the terms and conditions of Netflix. They probably don't advertise that. They do not. In fact, they were very hesitant. Uh, it was fascinating because when I'd gone there, I thought this was just sort of just the most obvious use case. But they were very, uh, very specific in saying, that's not what we're using it for. You know, Netflix has never bothered us. They don't write us takedown notices. They don't complain. I talked to former employees, one of whom said that, you know, a few years ago when they would have marketing meetings and whenever they saw huge spikes in cancellations, the first question they'd ask in meetings was, is Netflix working right now or have they blocked our, our VPN servers? Um, but really what they're focusing on is cybersecurity. They're pitching this thing as this sort of all-encompassing way to keep your web traffic safe, to protect you online. And, you know, it, so far that seems to be resonating. They argue, you know what, if you're on, let's say, a public Wi-Fi network, if you're at a Starbucks using Wi-Fi, oh, there's hackers out there, there's cyber criminals that might be able to steal your banking information. You are more secure to have a VPN on. Another use case they would argue is just hiding your web traffic from your ISP. Uh, there's so many governments, even in the U.S. right now, you look at laws in Utah and Louisiana about how they are looking for age verification or for you to register with what web content you're surfing. But, you know, one of the major things that they say is also that, look, we, in all honesty, do not know what our users are using a VPN for. They have a no logs policy. They're very serious about it. And in fact, they walked me through their hardware at their servers where they removed every single local storage drive in their 5,500 plus servers, which essentially means there's no way to physically store this data on a server. It's all run through what's called random access memory, which is essentially your short-term memory of your computer. And they just say it's rebooted every, you know, I don't know, however many hours or days. Um, if you went to one of these server rooms anyway, there's nothing you could pull off of it. They've never had a data breach. 
NordVPN is just one of a lot of companies, but there's a whole ton of them out there, and it's kind of hard to tell which ones are good, which ones are really secure, and which ones are not. Yeah, it's really one of the more questionable parts of the market. If you Google best VPNs, you're going to come up with a list of dozens and dozens and dozens of websites out there. And they could range from sort of NordVPN or ExpressVPN, which are some of the more known companies out there. You have also have other ones that are respected, such as Mulvad or Proton or TunnelBear. These are sort of big names in the industry. But you also have a ton that are just free. These sort of free apps out there that you're not quite sure, wait a minute, how am I gaining access to this? What, what, are, they, what are they using my data for? Is this safe? And at least when I've talked to researchers, that's the one thing. They say, you know, look, if you are accessing these VPN providers that are free with uh, sort of sketchy sounding names that are promising all types of privacy protections, but you're not paying for it. Chances are they're mining your web traffic for other reasons, or perhaps their servers are not as safe as they let on. They might be collecting logs. They might be selling your web traffic to marketers. I mean, historically, there's been some fun examples. Uh, I mean, quite scary, to be honest. Um, Facebook a few years ago, they were running a free VPN. It was called Anavo, Anavo Protect. And this was back in 2017, 2018. And they were marketing it to the public as sort of this, you know, VPN that's going to protect you online. And it turns out that they were actually using that web traffic internally to see what their users were logging into. Were they using, you know, a different social media website? Were they using Snapchat more? Were they using WhatsApp more? And they were sort of using these basically to monitor your web traffic for marketing purposes. And this violates the very core of what a VPN is supposed to do, which is protect your your web browsing and protect your anonymity. And uh, Facebook ended up shutting that service down 18 months after it was discovered in about 2017. So what did Facebook say about that when it came to light? Facebook said that it was very clear about what information it was collecting and what it was using it for. And I'm sure somewhere in the terms and conditions, there probably was something about, you know, this data could be used for X, Y, or Z when it comes to marketing purposes or internal research. But I think for the average consumer, the sense is any VPN is supposed to protect you from that very use case of a company mining your traffic and sort of stooping on what you're doing online. And I think that is one of the things that every researcher I talked to just warned against is you never know. You are putting your, a ton of faith in these VPN providers, and there's really just no way to know what they're doing with your data other than to trust them. And I think that's a lot of trust to put in these networks, especially when even for paying apps, you're paying like 3 to $4 a month for these subscriptions. When we come back, some countries start to crack down on citizens using VPNs to bypass sensors. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Austin, the rise in VPN use, especially in countries where they block certain portions of the Internet, have not gone unnoticed. And some of these countries are now going after the VPNs for allowing people to see sites they don't want them to see. It really raises the question about whether the use case of circumventing governments is sort of a longer term or shorter term fix to protecting your web traffic from peering eyes. In 2019, Russia made a big to-do with a lot of the VPN providers about, um, you know, we want your encryption keys. We want to be able to access some of this server data that you're sort of using it for with these VPNs. And the VPN providers said to Russia, essentially, at least the big ones said, we don't collect logs. We can't give you that data. And that sort of forced them to pull out of Russia. They actually, uh, in the case of NordVPN, they ended up shredding, just ripping apart all their VPN servers in Russia. Now, local residents from about 2019 to 2020 could still access a VPN through non-Russian servers, meaning they might connect to a server in, in the U.S. or Brazil or Japan or something. But a few years later, you know, in 2021, not long before the Ukraine invasion, Russia essentially banned all VPN usage outright, made it illegal. And we're seeing a similar pattern play out in India India essentially said the same thing. We want to have access to some of this encrypted data. NordVPN said no. Other providers said no. And then they shut down all their servers in India. And so, I don't know. I mean, it, it makes it difficult to know how long, you know, these VPNs will sort of be relevant. With that said, there are still ways to access VPNs in these countries, but it gets a really a little bit more complicated. And it also puts a lot of the pressure on these VPN providers to make sure they're safe. You know, if you can access, let's say, a VPN that is smuggled into a country on a thumb drive or something like that, they have tools that are called such as a uh, a kill switch, meaning that, let's say, you're raided and you have a computer, you can access this kill switch to eliminate any sort of visibility that you were using a VPN. There's a lot more high-pressure stakes when you're sort of protecting journalists or activists, dissidents uh, with VPNs than you are, say, providing someone in the U.S. with access to ESPN Plus in an area that they can't watch the Super Bowl. So I think longer term, that's what we're going to see is just whether or not a lot of these VPN servers are sort of ripped out of countries that they don't want them. You know, in China, it's been difficult to access VPNs that you can't even go to NordVPN.com in China. So that's going to be a big question longer term is are these, you know, VPN servers when it comes to protecting against governments, can they really do that? Or is there sort of a short life cycle for that if the government just doesn't want them to operating there? So Austin, given all this, should people use VPNs? Do you use a VPN? You know, I think going into this, I did use a VPN a lot more beforehand, before I sort of was learning more about talking to academic researchers, talking to the VPN providers themselves of what they do protect against. And I think there are very healthy use cases for VPNs. You know, I understand the use case of wanting to encrypt your traffic against an ISP or a content provider, or just that you don't want someone to know your location. But I think also in the last 10 years or so, we've seen the internet go from really much more of a wild, wild west 
area, a lot of your internet browsing wasn't encrypted. When you did log on to an airport Wi-Fi or a coffee shop Wi-Fi, it might not have been encrypted. But nowadays, browsers are a lot safer. Banking websites, public Wi-Fi networks, they're actually a lot safer and a lot more encrypted. And I think that's one of the things that VPN providers are going to have to figure out. When I've talked to NordVPN or ExpressVPN, they compared it to like an ADT, the home security system. You know, just because you have ADT turned on, it provides peace of mind, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't lock your doors and make sure the windows are, are locked at night. And so I think for a lot of customers, you know, it might just provide that level of peace of mind, that extra layer of encryption that you wouldn't have beforehand. If you do log into a, you know, a McDonald's or Starbucks Wi-Fi, or you're abroad in a country that might not encrypt your web traffic, it can be a safer thing to add that layer of protection, but it's not necessarily going to be the end-all be-all. It's not a panacea of security for you. Austin, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer and the producer of this episode is Catherine Fink. Hilda Garcia is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.